You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. And on today's episode, we're also joined by one of our favorite folks, Taryn Mike Drop Mays. We gave her that nickname in the content. Maybe we didn't give her the nickname. We thought we did, but then she said that people often use Taryn Mike Drop Mays. But anyways, it was a really important discussion on the story of Absalom and David and how we can see even a picture of the coming better perfect son of David in the story of Absalom, the flawed son of David. So we hope you enjoy the discussion. So JT, you look well refreshed, well tanned. Oh, we just got back from one of the best vacations we've ever had in our lives. It was fantastic. That's awesome. It was too short. You know, sometimes vacations can be too long and you're like, you've got a day or two left. Never had that experience. Yeah, you have. Like the 10 or like I went to Israel once and like day 11 or 12, I was like, get me back. Get me some Chick-fil-A. Day 12 in Israel (laughs) of of eating olives. That's what you missed. That's what you missed. I like like that his trip to the Holy Land was just a little too long, but his trip to Mexico wasn't quite long enough. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's talk more about that. 12 day trip, three day trip. (laughs) There's the difference. We had a great time. You know, Mason has walked through some serious health stuff over the past Mm. year. We had to cancel a lot of vacations last year. So, and what's weird is when she got, we've traveled a lot. Lord's been kind. We've, we've been able to travel a bit, but when she got sick, my biggest, I wouldn't call it a regret, but one of the things I was most like aching for was just experiences, memories, going Mm -hmm. to go uh, see the world together. So we went and celebrated her good health and uh, just, you know, all the Lord taught us this past year. It was wonderful. My, um, uh, this is a hard right turn because you're thanking the Lord for this sweet thing. Thank I'm, you, Lord. I'm about to make a joke I'm about away you. From you. Yeah. Um, but when you, uh, my this image, relationship, folks. my image, my image of you on vacation is that right when you show up, you find the other five dudes who want to have a volleyball tournament. And you're like, guys, we're doing this right now. I was just thinking what? of like a CrossFit workout. He's yes. Oh my like, gosh. Where am I going to oh go? Like yeah. find some place. He's like, oh man, it's, it's incredibly Beautiful. Look at no. these views. Hey, um, real quick, I got a question for you, manager. Um, is there a CrossFit community here? <laughs> no, that Where's is not. Gym? That is right. not what I do. I, I literally <laughs> sleep all day. Really? I, I, I listen to an audiobook. Okay. Phil Knight, Shoot Dog. Oh, that's such a good book. Yeah. Have y'all, are y'all familiar with this book? I've heard about it. Yeah. I, I know bet. Phil Knight. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know him personally? Yeah. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Offline no, conversation, me and you. Yeah. I want to meet Phil Knight. Karen is on this show. Yes. So it, this voice, the other voice, the person who personally knows Phil Knight. Yes. <laughs> My is, claim to fame. It's Taryn Mays. Welcome, Taryn Mays. We're so Thank glad you. that you're here. Thank you so much. I so appreciate glad. There's it. A, uh, this is when we'll, we'll cue the applause track. Mm-hmm. So just, I just want to say to the booth. Thank you for the applause track. Thank you. Well, and thank you, yes, for the applause. Yeah, track. for all for all the folks that are that are clapping in their hearts. Because <laughs> hear my name. Yeah, right. When 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 people were driving in the car, they were like, ter- like some people have pulled over to the road and they're <laughs> listening to this right now because their applause is still going. Yeah, no, I can feel that. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are really glad. Uh, Taryn um, is uh, one of our Bible teachers mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, working primarily on the Plano campus. That's right. Yes. So I get to oversee our groups team and then lead and teach our women's Bible class along with a couple of our covenant members who are faithful and amazing. And it is just the gift of my life that's to awesome. be able to do it. She's also my friend. Uh, well, that's also, great. She's all of our friends. <laughs> team. Love I love that. We love friends. We love Bible teaching. Yeah. And so true. when we were like, hey, who are some folks we want to have in when we're going through Second Samuel? It was just a no brainer. Let's get Taryn in. 
to talk through Second Samuel and today because the theologians on this side oh, of the table gosh. need some help. When we yeah, <laughs> if, if people just saw, <laughs> so if people, I mean, I guess they know it because they're they're hearing the the Bible ones. But when when we get to Second Samuel, like the moments right before we start are some of the most terrifying moments of my week. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> like, oh yeah, Absalom. He his name starts with A. You know, there's a lot of names in the Bible that start with A. Isn't there? That's just a that's just a quick reflection. We need our Bible teachers that's in fine. here to keep us straight. It's true. Um, and so we've got Jen and Taryn in here to tell us what the Bible says. Um, and we're going through 2 Samuel. You may uh, Maybe you remember this, but currently the village has been in kind of a two-semester study. 1 Samuel in the fall, 2 Samuel in the spring. If you're looking for those resources, you can find curriculum and audio from those teachings on tvcresources.net. But some of the things, uh, Jen likes to talk about like what gets left on the cutting floor. We don't really get to dig into those things uh, in the Bible teaching a lot. And so sometimes the podcast just become an opportunity to talk about interesting parts of the story or elements that you had to cut because you were going through six chapters in a week or whatever. And so today we're talking about Absalom and his daddy issues, Second mm-hmm. Samuel yeah. 14 through 20. And so let's just kind of kick it off with a big question. So somebody just tuned into Knowing Faith and they're like, I'll give this a try. Who is Absalom? Why does he matter in Second Samuel? Who is he? Why does he matter? Well, Absalom is the third son of David. So there is Amnon and Chiliab who dies young and uh, he's a brother of Tamar. Um, so you meet him in Second Samuel and it's at, it's well, during the time that you're also introduced to Tamar, uh, you learn that Tamar has been raped by her half-brother Amnon. And then you find out, man, Absalom, he's about to avenge her and uh, take her into his household and uh, He's in the line, right, of, of kings. Uh, but I think initially it's like you're reading it and you're going, oh, Absalom's righteous. Mm-hmm. He is this righteous yep. guy. And the reality is he isn't. He is an absolute politician. He is opportunistic in his nature. And he reminds us a lot of Saul. Right. So he is beautiful externally and internally he is void of character. And so the text actually says it in chapter 14. It says there was no blemish on him, which was in reference to his looks. Hmm. Uh, but in the rest of that that. Hebrew phrase is actually used in the rest of the Old Testament in a lot of different places to describe holiness. So when you're looking at uh, sacrifices or the priest, uh, it would be it would be in reference to no blemish on him. But here, the author uses it in reference to his appearance, and so effectively, what they're saying is his having no blemish is only skin deep. So he is mm-hmm. externally beautiful and internally void of character. It's, and it's yeah, and that's a cue actually to us to remember back to First Samuel where we had Saul was described explicitly in those terms yes. and then also um, the oldest son uh, uh, in David's family mm-hmm. was described that way and yes. it was like oh well he must be the king mm-hmm. so it's this whole mm-hmm. idea that you know man looks at outward appearance yeah, man looks outward appearance. and one of the things that y'all are doing right now is one of the coolest things that you get to do in the historical books and in, in historical narrative in the Old Testament in particular is that you have these richly textured characters mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so uh, you know you uh, because somebody might be listening to this and be like well, um, why does it matter that he's described this way? But as you just pointed out, the writer is so shrewd and that he's giving us these complicated characters because he is telling us a very complicated story. I think a lot of people don't feel permission to engage with the Bible as a story in that way. Well, I think the bigger thing is just that when, by the time we get to Absalom's story, if you're reading it in the context of the whole book, you know to look for these patterns. At this mm-hmm. point, the the author is communicating things to us through repetition of themes and ideas. Mm-hmm. And so when he shows up on the scene, you're like, 
this feels like something else. Yeah. And yes. you're supposed to because it's, it's meant to build expectation and tension. And I think with Absalom in particular, as Taryn was pointing out, he's the third son of the fourth wife. Mm-hmm. But the second son uh, who would have been in line for the throne is, yes. is dead, which means that we can't trust Absalom's motives right out of the gate because his, his vendetta is against the son who is in line mm-hmm. for the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, the reading that, that gets put onto this, if you haven't followed the whole story, is David doesn't act when his daughter is raped, and so Absalom jumps in, exactly. unless you're paying attention. Right, and it is, you, you would think on its face, which is like mm-hmm. he's so, the rest of, I mean, you move into the, consp- the, his, the conspiracy that he contrives, mm-hmm. and it's, you see he is so shrewd, mm-hmm. and, but in reality, it's, he's, he's just making a political play. He's, he's manipulating just, a vulnerable mm-hmm. situation. Absolutely. So what is this conspiracy? Yeah. You just mentioned conspiracy. Like, what is the conspiracy that Absalom undertakes because what I'm hearing you say is that Absalom is a complicated character um, that on let's say let me just uh, try something he's like Jude Law on the outside but Voldemort on the inside so Gene Edwards wrote uh, wait did Gene Edwards say that he's like at Jude Law yeah that's basically what he said okay because <laughs> I'm about to say go Gene <laughs> that's basically it he wrote a book called The Tale of Three Kings and the way he described the way he describes it is he's got the outward cloaking of the spirits uh, the spirits presence without the inward fill- filling of the spirit's life. Oh man, and that's, that was it. That's definitely more righteous than the way. <laughs> that sounds more like Gene Edwards. <laughs> yeah, but also that. So. <laughs> Wait, say that again because I cut in with outward, a joke. It's okay, he has the outward cloaking of the spirit's power without the inward filling of the spirit's presence okay. and um, or the spirit's life. Um, but that's essentially what you see. And so he, and his whole plot is to overthrow David. That's what he wants to do, and he conspires to do it. And it's. I love this story so much because it is so intricate and it is so played out. I mean, you get, what, 13 years, mm-hmm. basically, mm. from uh, the rape of Tamar until you actually see him, like, take the actually enact his plan. Yeah. And it's a lot of, he's just patient. He's really he's, patient he's and He's so plotting. creepy. He just plots. <laughs> That's totally it. He's and like he, an evil Fabio. He yes. has like that. He really That's like, what I was going he for a really, ago. He it. really, I mean, because they, <laughs> they, they go to great lengths, yes. no pun intended, to talk about his, his great lengths, his hair. His hair, and, yes. and, and, and of course, that's a, a key part of the story. Right. But um, Evil Fabio. Yeah. Yes. So the problem with you, Jen, is that you're not just one step better than us all the <laughs> time in how you say Kyle. it. You're 20 <laughs> steps better. It's so maddening. And she waits, well, she waits for the dumb to fall out of our mouths. <laughs> no, she's well, like, and she's like, and she kind of was like, oh, that's good. That's interesting. Well, after, after we taught on this, uh, this woman came up and showed me. She had a she had a, a gif of Fabio riding Stop. on a horse with his hair flying behind him. And she's like, we, our group was texting this around this week. And so I was like, I yeah, mean, that watch is out a for that tree. Yeah. Right Fabio gifs. Fabio gifs. Um, okay, so we've got evil Fabio trying to overthrow yes. his dad, right. David. So over a period of time, he managed to get back into the presence of David. So but kind of back into Jerusalem. And, and during that time, you again kind of see him wait patiently. So it's another four years. And basically what uh, what he is doing is he is he's a building a political base. Mm-hmm. And that is he is just he is getting people on his side. He is he is outwardly, you know, posing as someone who has a lot of power. He's got all these chariots yeah. and it's like he's got the presidential motorcade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just watching West Wing. So, um, so well, I, that was we actually that was a big cue um, for us in the text. It talks about how he, he gets back into good graces with David and verse verse one of chapter 15 says right. after this Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men. 
to run before him, which was actually the fulfillment mm-hmm. of what Samuel had ranted. When Samuel mm-hmm. does his, you know what a king's going to do? He's going to take and he's going to yes. take. And he's gonna, the very first thing that he says that he will take is he will take your sons to run before his chariots. Mm-hmm. Mm. So good. Well, and a chariot, I mean, it's nonsensical during yeah. this time, right? So first off, he's in Jerusalem. And so it's rocky and hilly. It. He doesn't need it. And it's exactly what... It matched his hair, though. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And it probably looked really good when he was riding in it. Um, <laughs> and it's exactly what he had been, what the kings of Israel were not to do, which yeah. was to gather chariots and horses. Mm-hmm. Their strength was to come from the Lord. So mm-hmm. anyways, he's doing that and kind of building this base and, uh, and, and really people are coming alongside him. And then he basically crafts a plan of attack. So he creates a scheme against David and he makes up a problem with David kind of handling these disputes among the tribes. He exploits the divisions of the people and gains their favor. And so during this time, you see in the text, David's uh, David's power is weakening with the people and Absalom is growing. Uh, Absalom's power is growing. And so that happens for about four years. And then the groundwork's laid and he goes in for the kill. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, whenever I'm reading this, um, I ask myself the question, listen, if God is cho- like, is God choosing Absalom? Like, is God... Like, how is this part of God's sovereign plan? Right, because didn't God choose David? David? And here's Absalom, the renegade rebel, political maneuverist, and he's overthrown. What, like, why does God... And it seems like it's working. Right, because I thought... It's we, going yeah. to work. It's right. going to work seamlessly because he, he both is chosen. He is chosen by God to fulfill God's word in Second Samuel 12, mm-hmm. which was that the sword would never depart from David's house. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see Absalom used as God's instrument of discipline yes. in the life of David. But there's a clue to us in the text of what's going on, just in case the reader starts to lose track. Mm-hmm. And in verse 13 of chapter 15, it says, And a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Mm-hmm. And what's essentially being said there is that Absalom is the man of the people's right. choosing, mm-hmm. just oh, as we yeah. saw with Saul. Yeah. Right. And so then you begin to go, oh, he's supposed to make me think about Saul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of these parallels between his right. story and Saul's story begin to mm-hmm. emerge from the text. Yes. So, yes, he is absolutely chosen by God as the one who will bring to pass God's word of judgment that was spoken against the house of David in Second Samuel 12. Um, and we're going to see him. I mean, man, he is a bad dude. Yeah. Bad so, so, so he does route David. David flees from Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and now he's kind of on the run. Mm-hmm. All right? Again. Yes. Yeah. Again, for like just like he was with Saul. Mm-hmm. But it's more painful this time because now it's his own son. And so, while he's on the run, there's this incredible story in Second Samuel six uh, sixteen verses five through fourteen, and I just want to talk about it. Uh, JT, would you actually just read Second yeah, Samuel sixteen verses five through fourteen, and we're gonna we're gonna hear about Shimei. Is that how I say his name? You say it however you want, mm-hmm. as long as you say it confidently. Am his right? name is Shimei. Shimei. Thanks for getting that clear for me, because <laughs> I, I was gonna stop and pause. Okay, so yes, this is 2 Samuel 16, verses 5 through 14. When King David came to Baharim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, and he came and cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. 
the Lord has avenged on all of you the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, or Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai, and so to all his servants, Behold, my son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamin, Benjamite, leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan, and there he refreshed himself. I love this story because when I read it and and maybe our internet age, I immediately think trolling. Totally. Mm-hmm. So like David, that's the original yes, internet that's troll. So good. David that's just so got good. dethroned, and now he's out there kind of licking his wounds, and people are adding him like, "Yo, you're terrible. You're the worst. This is what you deserve, right?" Mm-hmm. So troll. And he, well, it, that's exactly what came to mind. Is I was, I didn't even have it in my notes when I was teaching it, and all of a sudden I'm up there like having this moment in front of a room full of. <laughs> Women. Those are the best. Um, because it is. It's exactly that. And even the way that David responds to him, I think, is instructive for yes, us because absolutely. he's willing to say this is part truth mm-hmm. and part error. Yes. Like he is a man of blood. He is reaping what he has sown. It's not for the reasons yes. that Shimei is saying, but he is able to acknowledge, he's able to take what's, own what's his and let the rest go. It is really interesting because that's ex- you see David come under the chastisement of God mm-hmm. in another way. Mm-hmm. So it's like he knows that's what's happening with Absalom. And you see him fleeing, yes, in passivity, but he you see a more humble David. So yeah. if you compare this back to the way that he responded to Nabal back in mm-hmm. uh, 1 Samuel, yeah. which mm-hmm. is like he's insulted a couple of times and he's like, strap on your swords, men, we're going. Yeah. You know? And it is entire it's a different david yeah. he has he's coming under the the discipline of god while trusting god and trusting himself to the lord you and know, it's it's good yeah that makes a lot of sense i was just reading yesterday totally unrelated to this uh eugene peterson in his book leap over a wall mm-hmm. which is about the story of david so it's not unrelated to this i wasn't reading the book for this he was talking about this passage in that book and he was talking about how the wilderness, um, uh, the wilderness uh, in scripture is often used either to like soften or harden. And that David is a man who has now been softened in the wilderness. He was yeah, softened mm-hmm. with Saul yes. and now he's being softened with Absalom. And you're right, and he points to the uh, Nabal situation where he's like, this is what David had done here. And so that maybe that it gestures that David is receiving in a way that he had not yet the discipline of the Lord mm-hmm. uh, and namely around the issue of hardening his heart to Absalom after the the killing of Amnon right that David had hardened uh, his heart towards Absalom uh, and not allowed him back into his presence mm-hmm. uh, when, when it came to Amnon well here's the thing I okay. kind of think about that <laughs> <laughs> no I want to hear was, I, you know the the thing that it, in my mind, I'm looking at that and, and some of the commentaries that I'd read as well, it felt a little bit more like 
David continuing on in his passivity. Hmm. So he brings Absalom back in without seeing his face for the first two years. Right, so right. he doesn't even have a conversation with him. And then a couple years later, it's, you know, it's Absalom basically is like, I need a relationship with my dad. Joab, get me in there. He burns mm-hmm. some fields and bullies his <laughs> yeah, way in. Joab's stuff And Joab's like, okay. The further you get in the story, you're like, let's burn some more of Joab's exactly. stuff. But at this point, exactly. you're not really, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he gets, he, he gets before his dad and what you don't see in the text is any type of conversation there's no reconciliation and there's no justice from david Hmm. so absalom because he murdered amnon he deserved to die by by the law he deserved to die and he technically he should have Mm -hmm. and what david doesn't do is i he doesn't enact justice and he doesn't enact reconciliation Hmm. and so he's he's being passive he he it's weird because he moves from being the david of the story of abigail and nabal Mm -hmm. the the quick to anger to um almost like paralyzed um in his he, he's actually very similar to Jacob at yeah, the end of, yeah, of Genesis after yeah. the rape, not surprisingly, mm. after the rape of Jacob's daughter, Dina. It's a similar pattern yeah. to the story where he just shuts down because he sees his own guilt in what's happened. Yes. And uh, But the pattern that we see with David toward his sons is, is overindulgence. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, even in the way that Amnon treats Tamar, there is an entitlement that Amnon acts yes. out of. Um, mm-hmm. and, and David does not... David he doesn't just do nothing on the other side of the terrible incident. He had done nothing on the the front side of right. that, mm-hmm. other than just say, "What you know? What do you want? What do you want yeah. to do?" And um, and so and that's what we'll continue to see. I mean, when when Absalom, spoiler alert, when Absalom dies, yeah, you know, David mm-hmm. is beside himself, yes. right. and there's more going on there than yep. just the right. death. Of Absalom, obviously, it's his guilt is all mm. wrapped up in it. And that morning is it is unique on a couple of different levels because the and particularly when when you see David mourning Absalom, he it's private. And so before he had done, he had mourned publicly. So with the death of Saul and Jonathan, he's mm-hmm. basically instructing the people on how to mourn. He's pinning a poem, like it's mm-hmm. it is communal mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. And there's no theology. There's no theology involved. So even I mean, even as he uh, mourns the death of the newborn, his his newborn, you see him anoint himself and go into worship. Mm-hmm. And there is it's articulate. And here there's there's just nothing articulated mm-hmm. in it. And so it's really interesting. You just see a different David kind of stand up and leave, hop over the fence and go away to mourn. And he's he is he's beside himself, you know, cannot stop weeping and wailing. Yeah. Well, why is David's family such a mess? Because <laughs> David is bad. <laughs> yes. yes and no. So this is, what is yeah. So well, is it because of David's sin? Like, is that why there's... Oh, I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what chapter 12 what is telling us. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and I think Taryn and I have talked about this a lot. One of the reasons that these stories get taught in such wonky ways when you just hear a one-off message around them is because they're not connected to the flow of the whole yes. story. Mm-hmm. And the story of Absalom is, um, cannot be... Um, separated from the story, the story of Absalom and Amnon cannot be separated from the story of David and Bathsheba. That's right. Because um, what we see in his two sons is an amplification of what we saw in his own personal sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. Right. And it is ultimately a fulfillment of a fulfillment of the promise of God to 
raise up evil out of the house of David. Yeah. And so it is It is God being faithful to his word, and, as difficult as it is for us to receive that. And that's God's, the hard part of yes. this portion of the text is that you are living in the tension between God's promise of blessing in chapter 7 and God's promise of cursing in chapter 12. Well, and even too, I think the tension of uh, God's sovereignty and man's own sin yeah and there the juxtaposition of this you're holding them because this is a product of david's sin but it is no less absalom sin or amnon sin right, right? so they it is, are accountable. they're accountable for those things while this is what is also what god has promised right. yeah so. and i want to um i want to pause on that for a second and jt i'd love for you to jump in in second samuel seventeen fourteen. Um, it just says, And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. So when somebody reads this, and I get these questions all the time when we're dealing with a passage that's like this, and then Taryn and Jen were just talking about this tension between you know, um, God actively intervening and moving things and the responsibility of man's sin. Does the Lord actively bring harm to people? Because when you read a verse like this, it's like uh, he did this so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Then that chafes against our sensibilities, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like that verse at all. Right. Yeah, I don't either. And if I'm honest, this is kind of a theological wrestle and struggle for me. And even as I've kind of uh, certainly grown to know the Lord, also grown to hopefully know the scriptures better too, I think my answer has changed. Hmm. You know, I think early, perhaps in my days when I would just have emphasized the sovereignty of God, right. I would have just said, the Lord does what he pleases, full stop. Mm-hmm. Even sometimes attributing things that are genuinely wicked mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. And the Bible never does that. Right. The Bible says that God always acts justly and righteously and perfectly. Uh, he only does that which is good and right. beautiful and true. And so one of the things we need to th- think about when we're reading passages like this is when the Bible does ascribe these things to God, it's never doing so in a way that is wicked or evil, yeah. but is pure and perfect and just. And it's not in a vacuum. That's exactly right. right. It's happening in the context of human history. It's not yeah. God in himself. It's God interacting with right. sinful fallen humanity. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at Courage for Life Bible That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. One of the questions that I always ask is like, has this, is this the judgment of God? Right. Has this like, you know, it's not like, 
uh, it says anybody's name here. It says Absalom's name mm-hmm. because Absalom had done wickedly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that for some folks, um, there's kind of two temptations. You read this and you go, any harm that comes upon me is harm that the Lord has brought upon me. Mm-hmm. But in the context of this story right here, that's not, I think, what we're supposed to conclude. We're supposed to conclude Absalom has done wickedly and the mm-hmm. Lord is judging Absalom and David's house because of the wicked actions of Absalom, right? And specifically because of their participation in the scheme of redemptive history. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's what we have to keep coming back to. This is not, uh, I don't read this story and go, so then how does this apply to my family? Because yes. <laughs> this is a very yes. special family. And we have we have fought with this tension throughout this text. And really, anytime you're in the Old Testament narratives, the stories of Abraham, Isaac, yep. and Jacob. Yes. Uh, and one of my biggest beefs with the way that women in particular are taught the Bible is that they're asked to enter into these stories as though they're their stories. Yep. Now, there are, there are ways in which we should do that. And yes. especially, Taryn and I have talked a lot about just how do we navigate these very difficult stories about the hurt that comes to women. Uh, but there has been this tendency to tell women that um, all of the infertility themes that run mm-hmm. throughout there are speaking to our individual stories of infertility as women instead of, no, 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 these are actually about how God is doing a miraculous thing through the line that he has promised. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so we end up actually causing women uh, to check out of the story because they become so inwardly turned on their own hurt, which is legitimate hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've robbed them of what the story, the, of the hope that the story right. does have to offer because we've told them that it's about something that is not its primary concern. Sure. It's like, it's Bible reading 101. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is to come to the text and understand this is primarily about God, the character of God. Right. And then secondarily, there are things that I can learn in context. Right. So I'm reading everything in context of what the story is saying and in the entire canon of scripture, right? right. And then to be able to draw out. And it's not that there aren't things to learn, but that the primary thrust here is descriptive. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. So it's like, right. like, yeah, there might be something to learn from these stories principally or like, wow, that's an, uh, that's maybe tells me something broadly about who God is or how he's working in the world or how he works in the world. But we got to be very careful, particularly in this genre of historical For narrative sure. yes, to tie a one to one. The Lord has, the Lord brought harm to Absalom. So anything bad that happens to me is the Lord bringing harm to me. Mm. Would, would yeah would not be a good way to read that right. mm-hmm. yep. and I know another thing I think uh, I loved what JT said I think that's what we need to keep telling people as we're navigating these way hard to go, passages. JT. That's, yeah. your win, that's your win for the show yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think the other piece of it is if we're paying attention to how the story is being given to us um, just um, from a literary standpoint both with this story and with the story of Jacob that we referenced earlier um, when we see the consequences of whatever that crisis moment was um, the voice of God and references to God tend to drop out of the text yep. hmm. and that's always something that if you're learning to read Old Testament narrative you should be paying attention to yes. but it's telling us something about when God is fulfilling a judgment how he is doing it because more often than not the way we picture him turning Absalom into a little puppet like almost possessing his body and making him do every single thing that he wants him to do but in reality what he does here is what he does when Pharaoh's heart is hardened it's that he just steps back and lets Absalom be Absalom gosh how terrifying yeah yeah Yeah. that um, 
Theologians call it uh, the passive wrath of God, yes. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The withdrawal mm-hmm. of divine protection mm-hmm. and direction. Yeah, that is terrifying. terrifying. Uh, we were just, Lauren and I were just, we're reading through Exodus right now in our Bible reading, and it comes across with Potiphar, or not Potiphar, excuse me, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is just scary. Yeah. Um, so uh, why, okay, like if I want drama, give me a good Amish romance book. You know what I'm saying? Gross, Kyle. <laughs> No, I'm just saying that's what sells, right? So, like, so, like, uh, <laughs> I, did you say Amish? Yeah, you yeah, know Amish room. It's, it's, yeah. it, you, do you know this? No, I've oh, it's no a giant idea genre. what you are talking about. Oh my gosh, Jen, back me up here. It's a oh, big I don't thing. read them. I no. just know it's out there. <laughs> Jen and I are constantly loaning copies. <laughs> Like no. back and forth. No, okay, so, but no, but seriously. With like, Amish Fabio uh, on the cover. <laughs> exactly. That's what it made me think of it. But Women it, of the wheat fields. I think about, um, <laughs> how many of these can we come up with right now? No, no please. Um, I think about TNT's motto, we know drama. Uh-huh. So right, if I want drama, why not turn into TNT? Like why care about the family of this ancient king? I'm a Christian and I can watch Burn Notice on TNT. That's a show that I know exists. Uh, or I can uh, or I can read the story of David and his messed up family. Why take time to invest in learning this story? Well, a couple of reasons. <laughs> it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can think of a few. Yeah, yeah well, but really, Samuel here. A, <laughs> well, Samuel is a book of the history of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. It is a history book. It is a history lesson, right, for God's people. And in turn, yes, it is a history lesson for us who are a part of the family of God. Mm-hmm. And so it is important. And in all, and there are so many, it is a direct reflection of us. We can see ourselves in those things. We are not the primary focus of those things. I think the more that I've been in this text and teaching this text particularly, these characters, this story creates a sense of longing in our hearts. Mm-hmm. We are, we are meant, it's, it, it is, we're meant to be, it's like purposed, purpose to be puzzled almost you know Mm -hmm. it is i am i'm wrestling with the text why are these characters this way why is this happening in this way and ultimately i'm like i was so frustrated with david Mm -hmm. can i just say this i was so frustrated i've just that's kind of where i was at the end of my last teaching was why are you this Mm -hmm. way why why (laughs) also how are we going to land the plane yes (laughs) i don't know how we're going to land the plane on this study (laughs) there's not a lot of plot resolution yes but his family all the people around david it's there i mean you see it right in this and throughout this text it's betrayers and rivalers and slanderers and abusers of power and position people are just rot with sin Mm -hmm. and it it, david's passive in his ruling and ultimately that is us you know and so peter williams he's a biblical scholar and one of the things that he says is uh, said is i don't know of any national literature that says as much negative about the people it comes from as the old testament Mm -hmm. and i thought you know what that's it though because god in his kindness affords us the full truth of the human condition and in the same place offers us the cure mm-hmm. and that is and that is what this book draws out that there's a longing placed in our heart not for these imp- this imperfect king and this his line of sons to follow but ultimately a perfect king mm-hmm. that we're promised mm-hmm. from him that there, I, just that there would be this, yeah, over and over again, these characters kind of point us to the longing in our hearts place for Christ, or, or longing placed in our hearts for Christ. That's this great. story of Absalom ends with um, Absalom ah, being hung on a tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's hung on a tree by his beautiful yes. hair, and then he is stabbed with spears yes. in his mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. and then he is cast into a pit and covered with stones. Yes. And so we see the literal son of David 
suffer a death that he deserved. And then it makes us long for the son of David who will come, who is going to suffer that death on our behalf. Mm -hmm. But this is a book that breaks your heart. It's not a book that gives you a happy ending. And I think that's one of the things that we can miss is that we, we, we want the Bible to tell us what we want to hear. Mm. And it will, but it will do so by making us pass through every stage of grief that we need to, to get us there. That's right. That's both of those were really good. Um, I got like chills yeah, when both of you were good. talking. Um, I've never made the connection between Absalom. I had none. That's beautiful. Dying that way and uh, and the coming Jesus. son. That Jesus. Well, and the interesting thing too in that text is that it references a monument that he mm-hmm. had created for himself, mm-hmm. juxtaposed next to his true monument, oh, which man. was these stones that had been thrown over mm-hmm. his burial ground. Mm-hmm. And so a monument erected basically to if a false monument mm-hmm. to kind of puff himself up. And in reality, it's like you died the death of a cursed man mm-hmm. because you are cursed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good. That's beautiful. Wow. Um, I don't know what to say. I kind of feel like we probably should just like play the music out right there. <laughs> like that little spunky Taryn, music we have at the end. do you have a nickname? Can we, can we call you in the Knowing Faith Room, Taryn Might Drop Maze? Yeah. I, you know what? I would love that. She's For called really? that everywhere, so oh, it would okay. be appropriate to call her that. My year. husband calls me that all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's always just walking around. Is he really? Time. Yeah. Oh, oh for real? Gosh. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Always one-liners at home. It's great. Yeah, that's yes. a great nickname. Taryn, we're so glad that you came on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you for the good work you're doing teaching Bible here in the life of the church. So grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. If there's anything that you heard us talk about on the show that you'd like to know more about, you should reach out to Taryn or Jen. <laughs> I had one good line, I think. Yeah, you did. If you want to talk about what JT talked, the one month, the one breath that JT got in, or if you just want to talk about um, Amish romances, <laughs> JT's got some great Kyle's, titles. Kyle's that was your you. man. Do no, not, hey, do no, 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 you, no. You, I'm not letting you pin this on me. No, you had that the best you. title. I you did have a title. You threw out a title like you've been working on a book. <laughs> <laughs> you like, you ventured it out there like, haha, isn't that funny, guys? Like to see if we took it seriously or not. Just I'm gonna go search your computer we'll and be like, play. "Women of the Women of Um Okay. If anybody uh, ends up using this as a title for a book, copyright. Writing, yeah, just yeah, let yeah. me know. No, we're, yeah, we're, we're published right now. Yeah. 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 For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about the ascension of Jesus. See you next time. Grace and peace.